But mostly it was your fault, if that's... And I'm Lauren Learman. And welcome back to the Performance Anxiety Podcast, the show where intros don't matter and neither does anything else. That's very true. (laughs) Our guests today are truly two of the most talented people that I have ever had the pleasure of knowing. Legitimately, I have... I've known Kobe for a very long time. Steve, I've known of but have seen a lot of your work and I absolutely adore. Thank you for being on the show. It is Kobe Shaw and Steve, do you go by Russell? Yes. Russell, Steve Russell. (laughs) That was quite an intro, thank you. Oh, it'll get even better, trust me. (laughs) (laughs) How are you guys doing today? We're doing great. Yeah. Good to be out and about. Yeah, it is fun. So tell me, let's just get right into the meat of it. Can you guys tell me like a time that you felt the most anxious while you were performing? Well, I'll start. Um, so I met you, Tabby, through theater. So I'm going to tell a theater story. Um, I was cast uh, in Sweeney Todd at the Chippewa Valley Theater Guild as Mrs. Lovett. And that was my first show ever with the Theater Guild. And an enormous role, a very, very challenging role. Um, and wow, that just stressed me out very much <laughs> all the way around. And I just remember it was also Steve's favorite show. So uh, <laughs> no pressure. He, he, was, he was thrilled to run lines with me and all that um but when it came time to perform we were performing at the state at the time and i remember my entrance was um there was a big drop that i would stand behind and then it would raise fly up into the fires and to the rafters and i would start my first number and i remember it was just four numbers in a row all extremely difficult very wordy a stephen sondheim show challenging and i would stand behind that curtain and feel like a train was barreling down on me like I just felt like that curtain was going to come up and that train was going to leave the station and not stop and it my heart would just race and I just would try to do everything I could to just just focus and calm down because because it was just there was so much pressure involved on it and literally I don't think I ever had a uh, performance without mistakes (laughs) in the entire run of that show so how did you get through that when you felt like that train was coming how did you how were you able to push yourself to go I'm gonna do this um I think the the best way to describe it is I usually try to make things <laughs> slow down for me um, in that, especially before I make an entrance or go on stage, um, I always do a lot of just deep breathing um, and just deep, slow breaths, like I said, to try to slow those things down. I've always been somebody who is big at um, pacing or backstage. I've done this since I was a teenager when I started doing theater, um, that I will just pace slowly in circles backstage. I, I just become much more inward um, in those moments. And um, so like a lot of people in the dressing room might get pumped up listening to music. I always choose a quiet corner and I just kind of go off and, and be by myself. So that's been more my my way of dealing with that stress and that feeling that that anxiety kind of rise up in those moments is just to kind of draw inward and become more quiet and focused and just focus on the breathing. 
Yeah, I I 100% do the exact same thing where I'm like, nobody talk to me. (laughs) Well, and you mentioned, you know, you made mistakes in all those performances in Sweeney Todd. How do you feel when you go through those moments where you make mistakes? Because I know personally, like, I watch you as a performer and you're someone I look at and aspire to be like. And so I'm like, Kobe never makes mistakes. And meanwhile, when I make a mistake, it's like, people probably didn't notice it, but I beat myself up over it for years. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And the hard part about that show, like I said, I made so many mistakes Um, and some of them were easier to to just for people to miss, not notice. I might have noticed, for example, (laughs) there is this one number. There's a beggar woman character in the show and there's a number where I'm supposed to keep saying or I'm supposed to say once, uh, throw the old woman out. And I kept forgetting my lines. So instead, every single time I would just say, throw the old woman out. So I think by the end of that song, I'd maybe said it like six times in, in, in one of the shows. Um, so the audience might not have known as much as I did, but there was definitely one night where I did a song. And if, and if um, Keith is listening, he will know our musical director because he will never let me forget this moment that I completely went up on my lyrics like I had never have ever 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 um and there was just nothing I just remember I was singing I turned around and there was nothing (laughs) and I just there was literally and it was a back and forth with your your leading man and so he couldn't do anything right right it was a very wordy song back and forth back and forth we were singing a, a little priest and um there was just, I would say, a good 15 to 20 seconds of complete silence. More like 5 to 10, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it always feels longer in the moment. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> it does. And I, that one, you know, I, I still do beat myself up for. Um, but I, I, it, and it undermined my confidence for a long time because I'd never had that before. I never had a part where I just completely gone up. And so I think that's when I really had to develop those kind of skills to just kind of slow things down. And because I felt focused in the moment, I didn't feel like I was distracted or thinking about anything else. So for that to just completely come out from under me was just very disconcerting. Um, so so you just try your best not to, to beat yourself up and and just try to laugh about it and try to hope that most people didn't notice and um, and just move on. But it's hard. It is definitely hard when you have those kind of moments. That's yeah. a very Sondheim thing. Move on. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Move on. <laughs> very. Not to mention Sondheim, especially that being like your first show with the Guild. I, I know you've had experience before then, but that's extremely difficult. Yes. I, I just felt such pressure. I mean, I couldn't believe that they had entrusted that role to me for my very first time. Well, I can't. Out. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense to me. <laughs> so, yeah, I just felt this huge responsibility. And, and I mean, I, I, I worked so hard on, you know, at home on my own and put in all the time and work. And I still couldn't believe that I never got through a show completely without making a mistake. I, I think a lot of people, especially doing Sondheim, have that same record. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's many a Into the Woods where it's like they forgot something. Because I know when I was in Into the Woods, I was just, I was the costumed person. We forgot somebody's piece every night. (laughs) One time the baker lit himself on fire. It's fine. (laughs) It's a thing. But what about you, Steve? 
Oh, an experience that I had where I felt the most anxious? Yes. Okay. Well, so I come from a different line of performing. It's not, it's not, things aren't scripted so much. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's more improvisational or if I, whatever I want to say on stage is what I say on stage. Uh, a lot of it is internally scripted, but anyway. But there was one time that I was in someone else's show and that was, I, uh, I had this great opportunity. I performed with New York City Opera um, at Lincoln Center. And uh, I'm not an opera singer. <laughs> <laughs> but they had it, they were doing um, Pagliacci. And Pagliacci is a story of some clowns in a circus troupe. Yeah. And, so, and that's my specialty is, is circus things. So uh, they called up, actually, well, anyway, long story. But I ended up in New York. Uh, from Wisconsin, I drove out to New York to, because they couldn't find anybody else to do this in all the rest of the <laughs> East Coast. I don't know why. But I was a fire eater and a juggler for uh, this production of Pagliacci. And, and that scared me the most I think I've ever been scared because every, it's, well, it's, it's Lincoln Center, for one. Yeah. <laughs> and these are consummate professionals. And here I'm this guy who is a juggler and was surrounded by all these singers and actresses and actors and, and all that stuff. So, um, so it was very, and, and, I, and here's the deal is that they wanted me to breathe fire and I'm a fire eater, but I'm not a fire breather. So I learned within the span of a day how to breathe fire, like spitting it out instead of taking it in. And so I had never actually done it before I performed on stage at Lincoln Center. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Good place to make your day. <laughs> wow. No yeah. motivation like, hey, you're going to be performing on the right. stage at Lincoln Center. With, Better learn this. <laughs> with a dangerous substance. Yeah. You know. Also, so. breathe fire. No pressure. Right. right. <laughs> so how did, you, how did you get through that? And how did it feel, I guess, afterwards, too, when you were like... You didn't burn anything down, did you? I mean, the Lincoln Center's still there. <laughs> I guess you didn't research this. Um, yeah, no, it all worked out fine. Um, I, you know, of course, I made my mistakes, but uh, it, it, it was fine. How did I get through it? I just I just knew that I had to. And it, it's a little bit like the, the Kobe story of the, the train that's moving and you have to jump on. And that's what it was. There was an opera going all around me. And I was the non-opera person. So I just had to say, okay, I'm in an opera now. And here we go. And they said, You're, you go. And I went out on stage. I did my thing. And... Uh, and you're not mentioning that they didn't even give you a rehearsal. No. You, no. you just went in. Yeah. They had me watching the guy who did it before me. I said, watch what he does. And when it comes time, then you do what he did. So. Okay. <laughs> no pressure wow. at all. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's. Wow. So, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. It was just uh, the strength of, uh, of courage to just follow through you know put they, they put me in this amazing circumstance and I thought I have to do this and I there's no way out and I definitely want to get through it I definitely want to have the experience so um, you know just damn the nerves and full speed ahead just yeah. go out and do it so 150% like that says a lot because some people would just be like you know what never mind and we were able to push <laughs> through it so I guess along with those lines um so you mostly have experience in performing, like you said, in like improv and making your own script. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say improv so much, but what I do is improvisational. Yeah. I mean, I can I can change things. That's a lot. No, nobody really 
depends on every word that I say. Okay. You know, Kobe and I work together, but she knows that I'm going to change things as we go. <laughs> we discovered like, this. I don't always like when you <laughs> but I know it happens. Okay, but here's a quick, st- uh, the, the first time we ever worked together, she was saying to me, when do I come on? And I said, when it's time to come on. <laughs> but but what's, what's my cue? What, what, what are you going to say so I know when to come on? And I said, I don't know what I'm going to say. You just come on after I do the thing. And then you come on and then we'll do something and then you'll leave. Well, when do I leave? I don't know. Just, just. <laughs> so we had to learn uh, to work with each other. <laughs> yeah, that's... Because she comes from a theater background, mm-hmm. which is rules and lines and... and, and Direction. Direction and blocking. And I'm the guy who just says, okay, here we're, we're just going to do this next piece, right? So, um, so that, yeah, that, I can't remember where the question started, but that's where uh, we, yes, it's, I'm able to do what I wish with Kobe along with me. So, so, but you, when things go wrong, it is easier definitely for you to handle uh, things that go amiss. For example, this summer we were performing, uh, doing our juggling show, and um, Steve does this bit where he um, juggles a bowling ball, a <laughs> golf ball, and I don't know, a, 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 a small basketball. And uh, the <clears throat> bowling ball broke. He dro- dropped it and it broke in half. I dropped it on purpose. Yes. I, you know, that's, that's not that I was juggling. <laughs> Gotta protect the image here. But I did. I did. I successfully juggled these things and I showed. I went, oh, here it is. It's a real bowling ball. And I dropped it and it shattered on stage. <gasps> oh, so. no. So there's no denying that that, like, what, that was not supposed to happen, right? <laughs> but And you are much better at playing those moments off. Than, than I am, you know, you you know how to make a joke of it and move on as opposed to me where I just kind of freeze in that moment. But here's the thing I discovered too about when we do something like this is when I did shatter the bowling ball, two thirds of the audience thought that was part of the show. Yeah. And it's happened before. I've split my pants on stage and I realize no one's gonna believe me that I actually split my pants. They're gonna wait for the punchline and there is none. so. I have to continue to have my back to you know to the stage and <laughs> anyway so that's I guess that's a rule for most performers is uh, your audience is not as sophisticated as as I won't say that they don't know as much about the show as you do yeah so mm-hmm. what they see on stage they naturally just assume well, that was supposed to happen right yeah. so um, so I guess that's a big thing for performers or like uh, theater people is just just relax. And just let it happen and figure out how to get out of it. And however you do it, that will be the reality for that audience that night. So don't sweat it. And also, so many audience members I've seen, they love when they something does go wrong. That that makes it more exciting. That 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 live entertainment, it makes it more real for them. And they will be more apt to tell people like, I was there the night that that bowling ball broke. <laughs> you know? So it's not it's not necessarily a, a, a bad thing. Maybe that's the way we all need to start looking at it is that it's, it's okay. And it makes other performers realize like, yes, this happens to all of us. It's yeah. the live part of live theater. Mm-hmm. And that's what people, that's what makes live theater um, a unique experience. Yeah, 100%. That's. I find that very funny that you were saying, oh, you just freeze on stage. I remember being in a show with you, Kobe, where 
poor Phil Cook, we mentioned this in another episode, he had an asthma attack down, like, in the stage, and you had to just be like, okay, this is happening, I'm gonna keep going until <laughs> Phil's done having an asthma attack. And uh, Benny and I talked about this on, on his episode, where he was like, we both, us two, as the other two leads in 9 to 5, were like, running around getting ready, but we just saw everybody else running around, and we're like, what's happening? What? And then you come off and we're like, oh, Kobe just had to improvise. Oh my God, where's Phil? Oh my God. <laughs> well, if you remember correctly, I did not last very long. <laughs> I panicked as well. All I remember is that I basically said, well, I'm not waiting for him. And I left the stage, leaving the other actor to do <laughs> so, so I didn't do much better than anybody else. Honestly, though, the fact that you were able to be like, okay, I have to go. <laughs> I 100%. And you made it in character, whereas I probably would have just freaked out and ran away without saying anything. <laughs> True. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. Either that or I would have just sat there and cried. Oh, but you would have. I just a, cry a lot. <laughs> you would have pulled a Yuffie, you know. Yeah, just would have pulled a Yuffie and just sat down and cried. It's fine. But with these different, especially, I guess this kind of leads into my next question for you both. With being so structured and being in theater compared to now performing with Steve in these sort of semi-scripted, when do I come in, when don't I? What is like the different, like nervousness or anxiousness that you feel compared to those two like types of performing well i think i think with theater you know you definitely feel like you need to get it right Mm -hmm. you know you want to get every word right you want to get every note right you know you don't want to miss any entrances or exits obviously we have um more leeway in a show that's that's more improvised and, and relaxed um but you still here's an example like with Steve and I when we do our variety show um, I am very uptight about if we're juggling and we drop something I'm like oh it was a terrible show we dropped as opposed to Steve he's like no it was a great show they were laughing they got all the jokes so he worries less about the technical aspect I'm always worried about that aspect of it Um, so so once again, it's just those those different backgrounds. But I definitely learned from Steve to, and and used some of these these skills coming from that world of of improv and being a little bit more relaxed. So yeah, that's awesome. And I know you've said that you haven't like you have you've done structured theater like you did with um, the the play in you have you've never done theater have you besides your I've done two things. <laughs> two? Two, yes. Ooh. <laughs> uh, just, uh, just after we were married, just after we were married, mm-hmm. we were both cast in Menominee uh, in... A production of Pippin. Pippin, that's right, yeah. And she, she was Catherine and I was the leading player. You can tell I'm so much like Ben Verena. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did that feel compared to doing the variety show? Well, of course, Pippin lends itself to circus arts and, and magic and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. I had, it's like, okay, my comfort zone is still there too. Yeah. But I had to sing and dance, which <laughs> which my mother was actually very pleased with. So uh, um, I, it, was, it, it, it still felt like within the realm of variety arts for me. So that wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be. Maybe now it would be scarier since I know a little bit more about theater than that, but... 
And then I was in a production of uh, uh, The Sunshine Boys, but I was just like somebody who was on the crew of the... Yeah, anyway, I was in the production, but in that it's a television production. Um, and uh, I didn't think things about it, really. Yeah. yeah. For our, our purposes, you know, we uh, it's how we make a living. It's how I've made a li- I've made a living of this for 40 years. So to take to say, okay, I'm not going to work these uh, weekends because I've got a free show that I'm doing mm-hmm. at a community theater doesn't make sense. That's so, fair. Yeah, 100%. Right, right. But you have some interesting um, rituals you've talked about to me about, about how you calm yourself down. Right. Yeah. Right. You yeah. mentioned so, that to me. I'd love to hear about that if you'd be willing to share. Well, there are three different techniques that I've used. I don't use them very much anymore, but I've used them in the past a lot. They come from three different places. One, I, I attended a mime school in, in West Virginia at a time, and one of my mime teachers had this... Um, You're admitting you went to a mime I went to a mime school. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Mimes don't talk about that much. But, uh, <laughs> But yeah, so uh, and it was a it was a great. Um, he would have us do every time we would uh, come out to perform, uh, or before we would perform, he would have us do this. He said it was a Japanese ritual. I don't know much more about it than that. Was just to uh, to kneel on the floor where you're going to perform. The stage is there, and this is and, and you can try this when when. Other people are doing different things. Just find the time that you can come to the stage, center stage, or wherever you're going to be mostly in in your performance, and uh, kneel down on the stage and cleanse the spot. Um, He said that the Japanese will take water and a sponge and will wipe clean the boards, wipe clean the boards, you know, like a little Miyagi, you know, thing where you (laughs) wax on, wax off, that sort of thing. Just clean that spot, clean that spot. All impurities go away from it. If you see a speck of dust, you get rid of it. If you see a feather or a leaf or something, you get rid of it. You want to make that space sacred and you you make it your own. You you have you've found this spot and this will be your home. And so that when you get to that spot, when you get in that uh, space again, that is your home and you've claimed it as your sacred spot. And I find times to do this. Uh, the times that I get uh, nervous these days is when I'm doing a showcase. Um, uh, in order to get work as a performer, as a juggler, sometimes you have to uh, do a snippet of what you do for a lot of people watching, mm-hmm. right? And uh, potential clients. Potential clients, and that's a little nerve wracking because you go, well, if I really fail at this, I won't get any work for the next year, that sort of thing. So I found time to do that. Find the the space on the stage, and I'll. People are walking around me. They don't know what I'm doing. They might think I'm looking for my contact or something. Like that. <laughs> but I, I'm just I'm taking my hands and I'm wiping away and and clearing the spot and, uh, and making a sacred spot for me. So create a sacred spot, uh, and that's that's been very valuable for me. I'm, if nothing, it doesn't really do anything probably in the world, but inside your mind, it it puts you in a different place. Yeah, that's the so most cool. It is, and that's really important too because you it helps you focus and be able to be in that moment and feel like you can make yourself comfortable while you're on stage to get over that anxiety. 
Right. You know that stage so well. You've 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 seen every knot in the floor or any imperfection in it. So it's like, okay, I I know this spot and I'm comfortable here, and and that's a place to grow from. Yeah. It was it was interesting when Steve and I started talking about this at home. I didn't realize he had this ritual, um, and I was just kind of talking to him about what I do, and we realized that there were kind of similarities because I had mentioned, like during Mama Mia, which I've done with both of you, mm-hmm. that I used to go out to the stage before anybody was was there before sound checks and I would just go and I would lay down on the boardwalks that were set out and I would just kind of close my eyes and just kind of like just settle in with that space and get used to it and that's when Steve was like oh well that's kind of similar to what I was doing with you know this other thing so it was interesting to hear that we were kind of doing these parallel um, rituals it's almost like you two have been married for 24 years (laughs) (laughs) it is our anniversary yeah oh happy anniversary 24 years to the day (laughs) as of this recording (laughs) no all days yeah (laughs) so you have both have been doing this variety show um your like comic juggling variety show for how long just to kind of switch the gears together we've been doing it for 25 years but you've been doing your own variety stuff prior to that yes so it's my 42nd year or something like that wow yeah so you've performed this variety show on just a numerous numerous Numberous is a word now. <laughs> numberous is a word now. A numberful stage, numberful, yes. yes. <laughs> a, a numberful amount of places um, that vary from uh, like uh, people's like backyards to being on television. What is the like different sorts of nervousness or anxiousness or even just feelings that you feel compared to doing this show or is it all the same whether you're going to be doing it on tv or you're going to be doing it like in a live performance setting um well i i would say i mean obviously if i'm doing something locally on stage um there's a inherent um stress level with people that you know are coming even though you know that they love you and are supportive you know you want to do really well for them so there's that kind of stress um but then like we've been fortunate enough to be on national TV a couple times. Um, I was going to say another, my other <laughs> major stress one was uh, when I was on the Ellen show. Um, and that came from, I was performing a, a new piece. It was a musical piece. So I wasn't singing. I wasn't juggling. I was performing this piece. Um, maybe some people have heard about this before, but I have this bell suit. It's a jumpsuit that has bells all over it. And I play Carol of the Bells. Um, so originally, actually, this uh, routine was... Steve's and he tried to do it and we actually performed that in another big venue big time venue we did that um at Caroline's on Broadway in New York City and it didn't go it did not go well and I broke one of the bells on stage and I said okay that's it I'm never doing that again so <laughs> and, and so at which point I said like no it's too good of routine like let me try it so so then it became my routine and then I got in the Ellen show and I really had not been doing it long at all. So this pressure of being on national TV, performing a piece that I was relatively new to was was very stressful um, for me. So so yes, completely different levels of stress. Um, um, but once again, I mean, fortunately, Steve came with me and was a support system. It was it was a hard situation in that we were put in a green room all day long with with the other people, and they were all very 
noisy, chatty people. And so I was trying to find like my little space to just be quiet and to, to focus. And, you know, and on that level, you just have these, these people, these TV people that are just running to and fro and in and out. And we really, did we have a rehearsal? I think we did yes, have a, did. A, a very small rehearsal, but we didn't like meet Ellen until like we came out on stage to perform for the first time. So, I, I mean, like that was just high pressure high pressure knowing like you have one shot to get this and like this is being broadcast out nationally so um so I just felt like I just remember when I finally got through the piece and I did get through it perfectly and I just like this amazing like release just coming over my whole body and then I could just enjoy the rest of the time that I was I remained on stage for the rest of that spot so but just until I was done I was like Well, one thing I also will say, I mean, I'm going to drop another show that we did. We did The Tonight Show, which was our first um, first show that we did nationally and um, with Jay Leno. And when we got there, it, I thought, oh, this is going to be so, uh, so nerve-wracking. It's going to be horrible. And we got there, and there's like a 350 to 400-seat auditorium. And we went, oh, well, we've done this before. And if we take away the anxiety of it going out to you know six million people that night, it was just that audience. So that's the approach we took for that. Mm-hmm. Is we said, there are four hundred people here. We're going to entertain these four hundred people here, and the TV cameras. For me, that didn't come into it. Right. I remember that we did not. <laughs> We, we, were, we kept trying to play to the audience because that's what we were used to, not like the angles we should have been playing for the cameras. <laughs> so, yeah, we were just more in tune to the live audience. Yeah, so mostly it's, it's, a, it's a mind game, just mm-hmm. figuring out how to make yourself more comfortable um, in that spot, in that time. Yeah. So I guess last question, if it's okay to ask, I'm throwing a curveball in here. Oh. What would you give as an advice to somebody who is trying to like do these sort of performing things, but they feel like their anxiety, like they're seeing that train and they can't feel themselves jump. Does that make sense? Like they can't make that jump. Do you have any advice on how they could make that jump and be sure in themselves to do it? You wanna feel this one? Well, um, a, a technique would be to, if, if people wanna look up something, it's called, it's an NLP, um, which is neuro-linguistic programming, uh, they can find this technique called the circle of excellence. And that has the supposition that you, in your lifetime, have had times when you have felt excellent. And the challenge is to take that time when you're like, oh, I was on stage, it was great, everything's just sinking, it was great. Now I'm in a place where I'm not sure that's going to happen. Well, the circle of excellence is a way of saying, I'm going to somehow take that time that I was feeling so excellent on stage, and I'm going to recreate that inside my body. And then when it comes time, I'm going to recreate that feeling again. So it's realize that you've, you've had the opportunity to have excellence in your life. And because you've had that time and you've felt that experience, you can recall that again. And that will give you the strength to go out there and, and say, I'm going to feel excellent again. So look up um, Circle of Excellence. I would suggest that. 
Wow, that's I, really powerful. I can't, I, I can't really describe it here. It would take too long. But, <laughs> they, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, you can find it on YouTube. You can find it, you know, where, lots of different places, Circle of Excellence. I feel like that'd be a great tool to bring not only for my performances, but for student performances, mm-hmm. the teacher yeah. element to it. So if you think of a time that you were you were excellent in what you were doing, it's like, oh, that was a great, oh, I wish I could recapture that. Well, Use your mind. Your mind creates your reality, right? So use your mind, reality. Remember that to the T. Just close your eyes and remember what you saw and remember what you felt and remember how the air was around you and the things that you heard. And then here, I'll, okay, I'll just do it. You, then you anchor that. You say, okay, oh, that's, oh, I kind of feel that way right now. How do, oh, that, okay, I got that. That's the same feeling I felt. Mm, I'm going to touch my nose, all right? And when I touch my nose the next time, I'm going to get part of that back again, right? Or you can tug your ear or you can squeeze the web of your thumb, something like that. It's called an anchoring technique where you, you do a physical thing that reminds you of the feeling that you are trying to summon again. So wow, yeah, that's so, awesome. So that, <laughs> yeah, for real, it's it's a it's it's a way of uh, of fast starting that. So <laughs> it's probably more elaborate than you were asking. How do you get on that train? Well, get on that train is to get some of the the feeling that you had at a time in your life when you felt very very confident, and to take that confidence and bring it back, bring it forward to this time and to, and to move forward with it using that. Yeah, I, honestly, that answered it perfectly of what I was wanting to know because I think that that is something that a lot of people don't know. Even people who've been in performing for a long time, they don't have that anchor. And I think that that could be something really valid for, I think, even for me. <laughs> even for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to look on this. Never. <laughs> This is going to be my new daily thing as I psych myself up before I teach. I'm like, all right, I'm done crying at my desk. We're going to do this. Do this. <laughs> but that is legitimately like, we could talk to you guys for hours. Like, you, you're both just so amazing. And honestly, if you're okay with it, we'd love to have you back on at some point. Oh, well, thank you. Like, I, I, I want to hear more about this fire eating person. <laughs> Me too. But just thank you both so much. I have always loved working with you. I... Oh, like constantly am just aback by how extremely talented you are. And Steve, I've seen clips of your show and your juggling, and I sit there and I go, damn, I wish I could do that. <laughs> like, that's so you're so... <laughs> <laughs> and that's the other thing, like, just the wit that you have when I've seen your shows, like, online, like, through the videos, it's fantastic. Like, <laughs> legitimately. Like, you both are fantastic. <laughs> This is again the me praising. Well, <laughs> it's the compliment our guests podcast. Yes, that's all it is. But for real, you guys are like Chippewa Valley royalty. Because I still remember, you know, when I got started in theater and I didn't know too much, the Conklins dragged me into theater and I was like, all right, I haven't done theater since high school. Let's do this. And Kobe Shaw was the big name. Everybody. Oh my God. You gotta work with Kobe. You gotta work with Kobe. She's the best. Kobe is awesome. We all love Kobe. And I'm like, Right, when am I going to meet Kobe? And then we had one that Broadway off Broadway would oh, review. Yeah. And it's like, I get to perform on the same stage as Kobe. We weren't even <laughs> in the same number. We were nowhere near each other. But I'm like, okay, yeah. now, I get to, now I get to meet Kobe. That was that was old performance anxiety. Yes. That this was is new performance anxiety. anxiety. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, is that I'm not in the theater, uh, the, 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 the theater community here. So I'm always Kobe's husband. <laughs> 
and uh, and that's fine. I have no trouble. with And that for at years all. when I moved here, I was only Steve's wife. That's right, right, because so. uh, I was we were more Menominee centric, and that's where I grew up. But uh, but since she's been doing theater here, we got to. If we go to Menominee, then she's ah, uh, then she's Steve's <laughs> she's wife, wife. But here, you're Kobe's husband. Because right. <laughs> when she comes in, she goes, Steve, run my turf. It's fine. <laughs> but still, like I just, you guys are just so fantastic. Well, thank you for having us. Thank you for being. This was a blast. Thank you. Well, on that note, my name is Tabitha Tatro. And I'm Lauren Learman. And, well, the thing about this outro is um, it just, it it, it got hit by that train that Kobe talked about earlier. So it's not here anymore. (laughs) The Performance Anxiety Podcast is brought to you by Performance Anxiety, Inc. For more information about our mission, upcoming projects, and how to get involved, visit us at the link in the episode notes.